0: Hi everyone, welcome back to the History in 20 podcast, hope you're all keeping well. This time is a first on the channel because we've got a very special guest, my good friend Tom is featuring today and we're discussing our top 10 Roman Emperors, so sit back and enjoy.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Tom and I'll be starting us off today with number 10, Emperor Hadrian. Now Hadrian was born on the 24th of January 76 AD, he died 10th of July 138 AD. His reign was from the 11th of August 117 to the 10th of July 138. Now Emperor Hadrian was a successor of Emperor Trajan and he became Roman Emperor with a really strong support base as he was the obvious successor for Emperor Trajan. Now Emperor Trajan had had a very good run as Emperor prior to Emperor Hadrian coming up and uh, um, upon his ascension to the uh, to the purple, the emperorship he remained in Rome for three years and in 121 AD he undertook a tour of the empire both west and east in order to inspect troops, examine frontier defences and generally uh, show his face among the empire now he began his journey first in uh, Gaul, modern day France and then went through into the Roman holdings in Germany, and reached Britain in 122 AD, a year later. He went went to Spain, um, Mauritania, which is modern-day Morocco, where he suppressed a Berber uprising, Asia Minor, and then the Balkans, and then on to Athens in Greece. When he returned to Rome in 125 AD, his prolonged absence had emphasised some problems. However, his tours had paid off because he'd spent three years supervising the empire's defences and knew how to deal with unrest and crack down on uh, public order. And However, his tours had paid off because he'd spent three years supervising the empire's defences and knew how to deal with unrest from his pre-emperor days as a career officer in Trajan's armies. After spending another three years in Rome, Hadrian set forth to North Africa in 128 AD and then sailed eastward onto Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, Syria and Arabia. He returned to Rome in 132 AD after exploring the Nile Delta and a revolt in Judea in 134 AD forced him eastwards again to Palestine as a military commander, another revolt which he successfully oppressed. Hadrian died in Baiae near Naples in 138, aged 61, due to failing health conditions. One of the key elements of Hadrian's reign was competent administration and construction. He was a great military leader, but he was he was also good at shoring up and getting the things he wanted and stabilising the emperor in his reign. Uh, an example of his competent competence visible to us today would be the construction of Hadrian's Wall, one of many such walls throughout the empire, uh, especially in northern Europe. There was uh, another one in Germany but obviously that's disappeared. Uh, The site at Hadrian's Wall which can be visited today is a World Heritage site, a UNESCO one. The original construction was approximately 73 miles long and stretched from coast to coast in northern England from Wall's End Well, original in the east to Bournes in the west the construction of Hadrian's Wall began around 122 AD after Hadrian visited Britain, well Britannia as it was then known and is thought to have taken an army of 15,000 men six years to complete the wall still stands in segments and parts today almost 2,000 years later which is a testament to the construction of the empire which is fantastic and a reminder of the fact that this wall was at the very northern frontier of the Roman Empire there was nothing further north
0: right thanks for that Tom that was a good overview of Hadrian so we move on to Trajan next number nine so he was born on the 18th of September 53 AD and he died circa 9th of August 117 age 63 And his reign was from the 27th of January 98 to about the 8th or 9th of August 117, which is 19 years and 7 months. So, after the assassination of the Emperor Domitian in 96 AD, Trajan had served in his armies, so the new Emperor Nerva appointed Trajan as Governor of Upper Germany, and shortly after his appointment he received adoption. And this meant that Nerva had formally listed Trajan as his successor upon his death. Now, after Nerva's death in 98 AD, Trajan did not immediately return to Rome, but instead inspected the Rhine and Danube frontiers instead, although he did return to Rome the following year in 99 AD. Now, in domestic administration, Trajan's policies were widely appreciated, because he provided for the poor, he built bridges, baths, aqueducts, and he freed prisoners and recalled exiles from when Domitian had imprisoned or exiled them so militarily Trajan was also successful though so in two campaigns in 101-02 and 105-06 he captured the Dacian capital of Vali, and the kingdom of Dacia was absorbed into the Empire creating a new province within the Roman Empire which provided for rich salt and gold mines now Trajan returned to Rome victorious and he celebrated by hosting a series of gladiatorial tournaments involving 10,000 gladiators and about 11,000 animals Now, over in the east, in 110, the Parthians deposed of the pro-Roman king of Armenia. And by 1113 to 14, Trajan campaigned to reinstate the old king. Now, while marching against the Parthians, Trajan undertook the construction of a road along the ancient road called the King's Highway, naming it Via Nova Trajana, and this road linked the city of Bostra, which was the capital of new province of Arabia, with the Red Sea. So a major trade route we can see emerging already. Now, by 115, Trajan conquered Upper Mesopotamia, moved down the Tigris River and conquered Adi Babylon, and finally captured Sestiphon, the Parthian capital. Now, after capturing Parthia and reaching the Persian Gulf, Trajan wanted to go for India, repeating Alexander the Great's achievement, but in 115, late 115 AD, he barely escaped death after an earthquake devastated Antioch, which is in modern-day Turkey. So he decided to return back to Rome instead, but he fell ill after reaching Selinus in Sicilia, Cilicia, apologies for these pronunciations, I'm not fluent in Latin, and he died there in 117, and his body was returned to Rome where it's cremated and buried in an urn at the base of base of the great Trajan's column. But what made Trajan so great? So like Hadrian he was an avid explorer and a keen military man and his conquests took him further east than any emperor before him had reached and many historians also agree that the very pinnacle of the Roman Empire was in 117 AD just around the time of Trajan's death which again shows how important his conquests were for his successors and how no other successor had managed to reach this level again. And another little anecdote, actually, on Trajan is that at every emperor's coronation after him, and I'm not going to say this in Latin because I just can't say it, so, but they had a little phrase that said, be more fortunate than Augustus and better than Trajan, and that was said after every emperor's coronation post-Trajan.
1: At number eight, we've got uh, Justinian. Bit of a controversial one, you'll see why in a minute. He was born on the 11th of May, 482 AD, died 14th of November, 565 A.D., aged 83. His reign was from the 1st of April, 527 A.D., to the 14th of November, 565 A.D., that's 38 years, 7 months. Now, Justinian was emperor of the, well, the Byzantine emperor, a continuation of uh, the Roman Empire after it fell in 476 A.D. They ruled from Constantinople, uh, it's called Istanbul nowadays, But uh, it was uh, created on the site of an old Greek colony, the eastern half of the Roman Empire, which survived for more than a thousand years after the western half collapsed in 476 AD. Justinian was the first great ruler of the Byzantine Empire. During the years of his reign, the empire included most of the land around the Mediterranean Sea as Justinian's armies conquered part of the former Western Roman Empire, including North Africa, that had been taken by the German-speaking tribes like the Vandals, Ostrogoths, and Goths uh, during the centuries prior. The Hagia Sophia, a beautiful um, mosque nowadays, but it was an old Orthodox church-style cathedral or basilica before Constantinople was taken by the Seljuk Turks, um, it was constructed in the Middle Ages, one of the finest buildings of the age, and it still stands today. obviously. Justinian also reformed and codified Roman law, establishing a Byzantine legal code known as the Code of Justinian, a book that is uh, used as a reference piece and a base plate for modern law, uh, law and order today. The two main features of Justinian's foreign policy were his continuation of the age-old struggle with Persia at the time ruled by the Sassanid dynasty, and then his attempts to regain the former Western Roman Empire. With the help of one of the finest military commanders of the age, a man named Belisarius, Justinian achieved notable victories against the Persians in early 530s and 540s. A five-year truce, was called in 545 and renewed in 551 after an outbreak of bubonic plague caused severe damage to the economy and the military respectively in the east. Despite the vigorous attempts of the Sassanid Persians to conquer Byzantium, Justinian held his own and a 50 years' truce was negotiated in 561 whereby the Byzantine Empire would pay 30,000 solidi gold coins annually to Persia and the Persians would renounce all claim to the Christian kingdom of Lazica, an important bulwark against northern invaders. Justinian had therefore maintained his eastern provinces virtually intact, in spite of the offensives of the Sassanid Persians. In the west, his fortunes differed slightly. The brilliant military successes of the 530s were followed by years of stagnation, and the dragging war was a huge economic burden, which he struggled to offset with his wars in the east. Yet in the 450s, Justinian managed a victory in Italy and kept hold of cities including Rome, Naples and Ravenna, and those cities would be held by the Byzantine Empire till the invasions of the Lombards some decades later. Justinian was one of the few Christian Roman emperors who was admired even by his pagan contemporaries, though there wasn't many at the time, as Christianity was kind of becoming the largest religion in Europe. When he died on the 14th of November 565, he left no children. He was buried in the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople. Uh, His remains stayed there till it was robbed by the Latin States in 1204 during the Fourth Crusade. Justinian does stand out on this list because he's technically not Roman. as the Byzantines were a continuation state and not the exact same thing as the Roman Empire, but to us he does stand out in the fact that he was the uh, a great restorer of the empire at large. He uh, kept all of his um, all of his territory despite the empire at the time undergoing one of the I think the first European bout of bubonic plague from North Africa, um, and. The fact that he managed to remain emperor without getting ousted, like a lot of his previous emperors, just would have been removed straight away with such disasters. They also survived the, I think, technically the worst year in human history, 536 AD, where a a speculated volcano chucked up enough dust, dust particulates or ash into the air that the sun was blocked out for an entire year, causing crops to fail, it was uh, a miserable year, and the fact he managed to uh, to keep up with the empire, keep on top of administration and stay in power is miraculous, and it's a testament to what a character he was, and how great his powers of delegation are.
0: Right, so next at number seven, we have got the Emperor Caligula, and he was born on the 31st of August, 12 AD, and died on the 24th of January, 41 AD, and he reigned from the 16th of March, 37 AD, to the 24th of January, 41 AD, which is a mere three years and nine months. So he was Tiberius's successor, Caligula, and he's often regarded as one of the cruelest and most tyrannical Roman emperors in history, and that's exactly why no list of Roman emperors is complete without him in it. Everyone's heard of him, but I thought he has to come in just for that sheer shock factor so the first six months of Caligula's reign were actually relatively stable and most of the senate were that scared of him they wouldn't question anything he did so for this one instead of doing like a biography I've literally just listed a few of the most disturbing things that he did in his reign so he made his horse a consul declared war on the sea He slept with his officials' wives and then bragged to them about it. When he had to sacrifice a bull by hitting it on the head with a mallet, at the last minute he decided to hit the priest and kill him instead. He embarked on incestuous relationships with all three of his sisters. He chose to walk on gold coins barefoot... He had his dinner table set with golden loaves of bread. He erected a statue dedicated to himself and made himself a god. He enjoyed watching executions. He sacrificed 160,000 animals in the first three months of his reign. I'll let you do the maths with that one. He killed his cousin, father-in-law and brother by having them executed. Then he had his two living sisters exiled when he got bored of having incestuous relations with him. He then forced Macro, who was the Praetorian guard who made him emperor, to commit suicide. He then auctioned away his gladiators' lives, and he blew 2.7 billion sesterces in the first year of his reign. And there's plenty more to talk about, but we just don't have time for it, but I'm sure you get the picture on that one. So, next we have Tiberius. And he was born in the 16th of November, 42 BC, and he died on the 16th of March, 37 AD. And he reigned from the 17th of September, 14 AD, to the 16th of March, 37 AD, which was 22 years and 6 months. Now Tiberius was the second Roman Emperor succeeding his stepfather Augustus and not only was he one of the Roman Empire's greatest most formidable emperors but one of the greatest generals too so his conquests of Dalmatia, Germania, Pannonia and Raeta laid the foundations for the northern frontier of the empire for centuries. The major threat to Tiberius' rule was the Senate, and he built up a huge Praetorian guard, and he kept them concentrated within marching distance of Rome, rather than their usual territory, which was they were spread all over Italy. However, his laws were generally far-seeing, so unlike Hadrian and Trajan, he didn't attempt great new conquests and move armies around and change governors for no reason, but he did stop the waste of the imperial treasury, so upon his death he left behind 20 times the wealth he had inherited and the power of Rome was never more secure, and he also strengthened the Roman navy and abandoned the practice of providing gladiatorial games. Now, there were instances where Tiberius did put down rebellions and acts of extremity. Extremity, sorry. So upon hearing a rumour that four Jews had conspired to steal uh, a woman's treasure, Tiberius exiled the entire Jewish community from Rome, and the death of his son Drusus affected him massively as well, so he became much more tyrannical and hateful in his remaining years, which probably led to him naming the unstable Caligula as his heir. So Tiberius died on the 16th of March 37 AD, a few months shy of his 78th birthday, and his death is a cause of debate, and it's largely assumed that he was assassinated on Caligula's orders. Knowing that the emperor was aging, Caligula wanted to cement his position as emperor while he was still young. So although Tiberius turned into a tyrant in his later years, economically he was probably the most successful Roman emperor there ever was, so from increasing the imperial treasury twentyfold to strengthening the navy, Tiberius definitely deserves a place in this list so that's it for uh, this week's episode we hope you enjoyed it and you can tune in next week to for the remainder of the five roman emperors we'll be counting down thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time